You haven't even read that? Wait, what are you doing with the book? So he has the confidence to finish the story. Hear now the words of the witches. This is Kevin, and welcome to Words of the Witches, the Charmed podcast that will guide you through the lesser-known published material in the Charmed universe and decide how it fits into the grand narrative of the TV series. All right, welcome, Spellworders. This is Words of the Witches. It is episode 102. <laughs> we are here. I'm Kevin, your resident charmed resource. And I'm Sean, and I just love comic books. And joining us today is established comic book writer, editor, letterer, Erica Schultz. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, thank you for joining us today. We're very excited. This is going to be cool and fun. <laughs> Um, so we have just covered on this podcast the five-issue dynamite run of Charmed, A Thousand Deaths, which you wrote. Yes. Um, but you've also done work for Marvel, DC, and your independent works. So um, are there any other stand-up projects that you're particularly proud of? Um, I think it's, like, I'm proud of pretty much everything that I do. Uh, but I, I will say that I'm, I'm very proud that I was announced as the first woman writer on Spawn. Um, that's going to be coming out. Uh, Rat City will be coming out in the spring, and I'm really excited about that. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm getting uh, more and more chance to work with Electra at Marvel. So uh, she's pretty badass. So she's fun to work with. And uh, yeah, I mean, I I loved when when we got to work on Charmed because I was a huge fan of the show, and um, I I loved the characters. I loved the sisterhood of it. But also there was a, a realness to the interaction of the characters on the show, you know, the sort of, you know, frustrating, but also caring so much for each other. Uh, and that was that was really, I think, well done. Yeah. And you're uh, one of three in your family. Yes, three siblings. I am. I am the youngest of three. So I'm the Phoebe, but not really the Phoebe, but then the page. But, you know, yeah. <laughs> the rigmarole, the moving yeah, around. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I feel like so many of us say that, like, we identify with Phoebe, we're not like Phoebe in a way, so it's a very common thing. Well, it's funny, because I did a book for Image called The Deadliest Bouquet, and it's about three sisters, N nothing to do with magic, and um, people would come up to me and be like, are you a rose, are you a violet, or are you a poppy? And I'm like, I'm a little bit of all three, but, like, at different times of my life, you know, like, my, my, my early 20s, I would say, was definitely violet. But then, like, I'm now more in, like, my Rose phase, the oldest sister phase, now that I'm in my 40s. But, you know, and I had, like, a little bit of Poppy in the middle. So, I don't know. Yeah, that Deadliest Bouquet, that was, that's a story about three sisters who have to come together after they lost their mom. Yes. Three uh, estranged sisters in 1998, which is when Charmed, the TV yeah. show launched, uh, come together to uh, solve their mother's murder and try not to kill each other in the process. <laughs> so what do you think is the biggest <laughs> difference and the biggest similarity between that and Charmed? Um, I would say that the biggest similarity, obviously, is this um, dynamic between these three sisters who will fight to the death for each other, but also fight each other to the death. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, and obviously the difference is the magic uh, part, the magic aspect of it. But I really do uh, like the uh, relationship between these sisters and and how, and you see in Charmed, and you also saw in Deadliest Bouquet, this idea of how when you're one of three, you always have two that gang up on one. And it's always and and that alliance switches sides all the time. And and you saw that in Charmed when, you know, it would be Piper and Prue ganging up on Phoebe or, you know, even strangely enough, when it would be Phoebe and Prue ganging up on Piper, you know, you know, because Piper would sometimes be like a bit of a procrastinator on things sometimes, yeah. you know, um, so I think that, and then, you know, when Paige came along, it was the idea of like, well, Paige is still our sister, but she's still kind of an outsider. So it was like the Piper, uh, Phoebe versus Paige and, you know, that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. 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 So let's talk about you, um, like outside of your work, outside of this, what are your other like favorite pastimes and hobbies and things? Oh man, um, this is like the weirdest thing to do. But like, <laughs> I, I like, I like weaving. So like, I weave, like you know, friendship bracelets and and like bookmarks oh. and stuff like that. Um, 
and I like uh, just because it helps keep my hands busy, you know. Um, and um, I I'm learning Psy. Um, so my best friend's husband uh, is a martial artist, and because of me working with Electra so much, I made a joke that I wanted to learn Psy, and he literally oh my bought gosh. me like. I'm not even kidding. Like this is insane. This is so insane. <laughs> this is so cool. <laughs> and they're ah! and, wow. Now wait a minute. Wait a minute. These are not like these are the real deal. These are not yeah. like you know yeah. plastic. No cheap toys. Yeah. These are the real, and they are pointy. Um. So my husband said he's like play with the pointy things outside in the backyard. Um. So so once a week, uh, my best friend's husband comes over and shoves me around the backyard a bit. No, 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 you're, you gotta stand in this stance and you gotta do this and you gotta do that. And I'm like, you've done this literally for 30 years. I've done this for like three hours total over two weeks. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, he's he is now thrilled that he has a new student and he has very high hopes for me. I told him a little too high, oh but my gosh. yeah, he's like six months, we're gonna put you in a competition. I'm like, ha. <laughs> <laughs> you're funny yeah you're very funny you I, and i said to him i was like that is a very high bar i was like not to say that i can't reach it but maybe maybe next year like maybe at the end of next year you think about putting me into a competition like we've just been hanging out in the backyard for you know an hour a week you know so yeah um but yeah i mean i i i like watching tv i i my husband and i are probably the two worst people to watch anything narrative though because he's a film and television editor uh -huh. and studied film and directing and i'm a writer so we'll sit there and we'll just sort of like break it down and like they should have done this or he'll be like oh man they thought it you know they tried to pretend that it was like one long cut but i could see the cut point there and this so we're like the worst people to see a movie with <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, we're, we're very normal. We're like boringly normal, which is, you know, yeah, I think kind of, kind of bad. okay. Kind of okay. Yeah, at this refreshing. Point. Yeah. <laughs> Says the lady who fights out back with size. Yeah. We're so, so normal. normal. <laughs> My neighbors, like one of them was like peeking over the, the fence, like what the hell is going on over there? Do we have ninjas I mean, in our neighborhood? <laughs> And Rich is like, you know, okay, no, no, put your feet like this and do this and do this. And I'm like, and I'm like, I think our neighbors are going to call the cops on us. <laughs> you know, like hearing these clangs and like weird yeah. things going on. Yeah. We are normal though. Aside from that, we're normal. Yeah. Okay. Um, so what got you into the comics? Or were you a big fan of them before you started working on them or? Oh, just comics in general. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I loved reading comics when I was a kid. My older brother would always bring home comics and I would read, um, it was a lot of X-Men, Uncanny X-Men, like Claremont and Byrne, Claremont and Lee, uh, Jim Aparo on Batman, um, Todd McFarlane on, uh, on Spider-Man. And when I got to college, uh, that's, uh, I started college in 95 and one of my very close friends from college uh, was still super into comics at the time. And so he got me into like Spawn and uh, I had not been paying attention to X-Men. So I didn't know anything about Age of Apocalypse. And then he's like, oh my God, you have to like read this like new thing that's coming out. Um, and he really got me back into comics. And then I, I sort of, you know, waited in and out of it because, you know, I was working in New York and uh, I had like you know, you get your first apartment, life is happening and, you know, you're, you're, you know, freelancing at a bar for extra money kind of thing. And then I remember sitting down and a friend of ours was staying with us. Um, and it was a Saturday morning and I turned on the TV and it was X-Men Evolution. And I was like, holy Christmas. And between X-Men Evolution and the Justice League, that just totally reignited my love for comics. And I was just like, amazing. Um, and I didn't start actually working in comics until 2008 uh, because I was working at a studio. I was working at Continuity Studios and we worked on the Astonishing X-Men motion comic. Mm -hmm. um, and I was brought in to do you know, background art and things like that. And I was there for about a year when I thought, you know, maybe some of these stories that I'd written you know, and just thrown in a notebook, um, maybe I could try to, to work them out in terms of a comic. And that first comic was M3. I um I worked on it with one of the other artists at the studio. And um it just really 
it, it made me love the medium even more because I like seeing the behind the scenes. I like right. seeing how things are made and working at the studio for almost eight years. I mean, I was, I had a front row seat to all of it. Um, and it really, it was an education and, um, and it was just very, very interesting to see, you know, prior to this, you would come to a shop and you would just see the final product on the, uh, on the shelf. And you like the, you knew that people worked hard on it, but you didn't know how many moving parts there really was in terms of, you know, penciling, inking, lettering, um, coloring, the editorial, final, you know, layout, every, I mean, it was just, I mean, there's so much to, to go, that goes into it, um, that I was really very interested in just seeing like how everything came together. So. Yeah. Sean's a big comic book nut. We actually have X-Men podcast together too. Oh, awesome. We're covering all of the animated shows up in, you know, so we're finishing the original series now and then getting into 97 and evolution coming up. So Ooh, evolution. Well, evolution is where X twenty three first came out. That was yeah, and you wrote X twenty three Renegade. So there you go. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Fun, fun. It all comes together. I know. Do you have a favorite X person? <sighs> I do. I love Rogue. I I've loved Rogue from the beginning. I I when I before I started writing comics, I was like writing like basically like fanfic and I wrote this like Avengers story where and it was when uh Rogue was on the Avengers because it was during Uncanny uh, and the whole Unity squad and everything and I remember that Rogue's first appearance was August 1981 and it was King Size Avengers number 10 and in that she's stealing everybody's powers and she has this whole thing with Captain America where she knocks him out and she says, well, I could just touch him to take his powers, but this is more fun. And she kisses him while he's <laughs> unconscious. And I was like, that is just so saucy. So I had this like <laughs> opening sequence as a joke that I was like just writing to like test out how to, how to write comics and stuff where you sort of just see Captain America and he's got, you know, you see this, these broad shoulders and these arms across the, um, uh, the newspaper and he's got the newspaper and he's on one side of the panel and then rogue comes in and in front of him is a, of course a captain america mug with of course the shield on it because you know branding and <laughs> she comes in and she just sits down next to him just kind of like puts her head on the uh, counter because she's exhausted and he just gently slides the coffee next to her <laughs> and she just starts drinking it and he starts asking her questions about like if that dirty Cajun was here, you know, because you know Gambit's that evil man who's so <laughs> handsome, um, and um, and you know after they have this sort of back and forth, she makes some comment about you know Steve getting out more, and he said, and he reminds her, you know, I remember you kissed me once, and it wasn't a pleasant experience, and I always wanted to bring that back because nobody talks about that. Her first her first appearance in comics ever she gets the better of cap and just mm. lays one right on him no one ever talks about that so well now now it's out there in the ether so thank you for bringing that up yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> cool um i know you love acting as an editor as well as a writer um what's your favorite part of the about the process and helping other artists voices come through um one of the things that i think is really important as an editor is trying to keep to the original vision. So when I'm editing something, I will sit down with the creative team and say, what is your end goal? Like, what is what is your vision for this story? Um, and I sort of try and act as guardrails because as creators, sometimes we can just go totally off the path and just go, oh, let's do this and that and the next thing. And then the story just gets wildly out of control. But I try and think, okay, this is where you want the story to go. I'm going to keep you in line. So you can move within this path, but I'm going to keep you on this path. And I think that that's really important. Some editors, I, I think, can almost feel as if the writer is uh, facilitating their own vision. I don't want anything to do with that. I don't want to jump into your vision. I want to help make sure that the vision that you have, that you stay there and that you don't get distracted by all this other stuff. Um, because one of the, the, the hardest things about doing anything creative is finishing it. 
And if you keep getting influenced by 90,000 different things coming at you from social media to, you know, the new streaming show or whatever, and you get sidetracked and you get derailed, you're not going to finish that project. So my job is to keep you on track so you finish the project. And if it's the best thing, it won't be the worst thing because I'll make sure it's not the worst thing. But if it's the best thing or just something that got done that's pretty good, then we go back and we make it better. Um, but once you get that first draft done, that's that's really you know the 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 roughing out of that. And I like that. I like exploring things with the creative team and really getting to the meat of a story. Yeah, yeah. You're such an advocate for the collaborative process, which is you know great because all I think everybody is if they're going for the same goal and they want to have, create something nice and wonderful and good, you know, it's going to be nice and good. So. <laughs> And wonderful. You want every, and wonderful. You want everybody, to, and, and that's, I think, important, especially if you're doing something like indie and you're building your own team, is that if you are a writer and you are looking for an artist, you have to find an artist whose style is going to be correct for the subject matter and for the story. So if you're doing a story that is set in reality and is uh, like a, a like M3, the story, uh, the first uh, book that I did with Vicente Alcazar, you don't want an art style that is very cartoonish because that takes away from the realism of the story. You want something that has a more grounded reality-based look to it. But if you're doing something that is talking animals and things like that, then doing something, doing a, a, a story, finding an artist that has a very cartoonish style and, and very sort of bubbly and chibi and things like that, that'll actually complement that story. So I think that, you know, when you're collaborating with, uh, uh, with an artist, it's, it's very important to find someone who not only has the right attitude and the right passion for the project that you do, but also somebody who has the right actual style for the project and the same thing with the with the colorist you want somebody who's going to enhance every every new person that you bring onto the project you want them to just elevate it more and more and more mm -hmm. nice so what licensed property or character would you love to write for that you haven't yet <laughs> well i'd love to write rogue and captain america rogue there you go <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't written them yet um I would, I'd love to write a Bucky Barnes story. I've technically written Hawkgirl because I did an eight page mini of Hawkgirl, but I'd love to go back to Hawkgirl. Uh, I'd love to write a Martian Manhunter story. Um, I would, hmm, trying to think. I mean, I've been insanely fortunate. Yeah. for the projects that that I've that I've been asked to work on because you know Moon Knight was definitely a bucket list project and I've been insanely unfortunate to work with him um and Daredevil again another bucket list project I worked yeah. with what I call DDM which is Daredevil Matt or DDE Daredevil <laughs> Electra and I'm working with both of them so um those are those are definitely bucket list characters cool. that that I'm excited about. I'd I mean, if if they want to do more Charmed comics, I'm happy to go back to Charmed. I mean, I, I loved working with those sisters. So let's, uh, you know, and I'll bring in Maria Loewera again, and uh, yeah. work on some art. Let's do it. Why not? And how how she her one thing's about because we can get right into the Charmed stuff now. Um, one thing about her art we thought was super polished and super clean and super nice. Um, we enjoyed uh, what she brought to the table. So it's really great that you had a nice relationship oh she's she's fantastic i actually have one of the original covers on this side of my wall um uh from issue number one because they had done you know a bajillion covers Very um all the variants and i have one of the originals uh that i got from her um she has such a clean look and such a wonderful smart professional woman and just so skilled and so willing to just you know collaborate you know some people you get into you know you work in comics and it's like well this is my vision or this is how i see it and it doesn't matter whether they're the writer or the artist like this is how i see it, and this is how it should be done and that's you know yes obviously you know especially when you're working for an ip there are certain you know notes that you have to hit uh because you know the ip is you know has this 
world, for lack of a better term, that they have to maintain. But I mean, within there, you have some some wiggle room and to be able to say, oh, like you want to do this or you want to do that and, and really sort of collaborate on these moments of, you know, is this a moment where we let this beat breathe a little bit? Is this like a shocking moment that you want to make sure uh, that the audience sort of gets, you know, gets, you know, the holy crap moment, excuse me, of it. Um, but there's also, I mean, when you're writing comics, they always say you write for the page turn. So you want to make sure that you're giving the artist uh, enough information that when that shocking moment comes, it's coming on the page turn, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, there's very little that I could find about the development of Dynamite. Like, um, okay. how they acquired the license, how the project got greenlit. Is there anything that you can enlighten us about? On that? Honestly, I, I don't know because I had, I want to say it was, I want to say it was like 2016, 2017 when they reached out and said, Hey, um, we're acquiring some other licenses and, um, we'd love to see what you could do on a certain things. And I, I believe it was Zenoscope that had the license prior to right. dynamite. Because uh, they had done seasons nine and ten, um, mm -hmm. and that's when Prue came back as patients, and yeah, um, and Pat Shand, who's a fantastic collaborator and and writer, um, was working on that stuff for Zenoscope. And Pat was really great when Dynamite got it, and um, and I started working on it. Uh, he he put out a, a tweet saying like, "All the charmed fans, like Erica's got this. Don't <laughs> worry." And I was like, "Oh, thank God, they're not going to hate me, you know, from the beginning." Um, and uh, and basically, it was like, you know, we're acquiring a bunch of IP. We think one or two of them might be good for you. Um, you know, stand by. And then you know you get the email saying like, "Hey, what do you know about Charmed?" It's oh, I you know it's a story, you know, three sisters, and I used to watch the show and this and the next thing. Um, and it's like, okay, you know, we're looking to do a five issue mini with, uh, and it can be set anywhere between seasons four and season eight. We can't use Prue uh, for licensing reasons or whatever. And I was like, all right. So I liked the idea of setting it before Piper knows that she's pregnant with Wyatt because I really felt like the the stories mm -hmm. started to focus way more on Piper. And I liked setting it just when Paige is moving into the manor because she like she's sort of worked out the kinks of her relationships, but it's still a lot different Kinda now fresh. that she's yeah. it's still fresh and now that she's in the manor it's because when she still had her own apartment she had her way of escaping <laughs> now she right. doesn't have that anymore she's like stuck in the manor and i remember when i was watching the show like that was this like big thing like piper and and phoebe being like okay she needs to move in because we can't just keep like driving to her place to pick her up <laughs> i i liked that kind of idea and i also wanted to explain i mean they had they had hinted at it and they never really i think and I, I felt like they never really expanded on it but Paige loved art and she loved drawing. And that was something originally for her that was kind of an outlet. Um, and that's why I wanted this story to show that that's something that she was still passionate about. Um, and then to be able to bring that in as a plot point, as, you know, with these, mm -hmm. you know, these magical paints and these portals and things like that. I thought that that was kind of a cool thing to do to sort of bring them in and this idea of like framing and stuff like that. So. Yeah, I, I was always appreciative of that because I noticed that right away. I'm like, yes, bring in Paige's art. And I, I, it's funny. I always find like it weird. Like, <laughs> you know, they never talk about Captain America being an artist, or they rarely talk about you know Colossus being an artist. And they, you know, and they, they, you know, didn't really. They stopped basically talking about Paige being an artist. And I, and I think that showing, even if it's not something that you do for a career, showing that helps enrich the character more and i think it also helps show that there's a more nuanced side to the character because art is such a subjective thing in general like you, you have to have nuance you have to have uh, uh uh different experiences you have to see the world in kind of a different way so i thought that that was kind of cool to bring that in and it allows her to have kind of a a, a little sister charge kind of um 
you know, to, to bring in, uh, who's also an art student. So. Right. So, okay. So this is kind of a debate. I mean, I've seen you say before that you, you fudged the timeline a little bit to fit, you know, it was yes. like set in season four with elements of season five. Is that where you officially kind of put it? Is anywhere more yeah. specific? There's, well, <laughs> I think it's like between, it's like in between episodes, like season four, episode three and season four, episode four. I believe oh, so kind cool. of like where I, I, and yes, I know I fudged the timeline and there yeah. are people who came up to me and argued with me at a convention about it. And I said, okay, <laughs> I was like, look, you're okay. Your, your suspension of disbelief will allow for sisters and magic and demons and all of this stuff, <laughs> but your suspension of disbelief will not allow me to fudge the timeline, you know, just like a few months like you're fine with demons, you're fine with the power of three, and all of that. But you you draw the line at oh there was some oh that was one thing somebody made a comment about the cell phones in the uh, in the, uh, uh, the that that Maria had drawn the cell phones and I yeah. was like, you're fine with everything but you draw the line at the at the Nokia at the you know the the version <laughs> of Nokia that was drawn like really like that's that's the hill you're gonna die on. Um. That, that is really funny because we were having a debate on this podcast because I was okay. thinking it was between uh, 421 and 422. Um, Nugent, I think you might have talked to Nugent before. He was on the podcast and he thought it was between uh, five season five, episode nine and season five, episode 10. I'm like, oh, I don't know. So you now I know it it's is, early it season, is four season four for you. Four, okay. but, it's, but it's it's fudged in there because okay. right after, I believe right after Paige moves in is when piper learns that she's pregnant okay so right. well, and i know the big thing was oh well Paige just shouldn't have a charge yet and this and the next thing i was like well she's not technically her white lighter but she's just sort of testing out the boundaries of okay being a white lighter is part of who i am i will ultimately have to be this mentor let me mentor this young woman in terms of a um in terms of a, a like artistic relationship. That's kind of why I do, I keep it in the art realm as this way. It's like, okay, she's not technically a white lighter for this particular, uh, for this particular character. So. Okay. And so and Paige moved in at the end of season, episode six of season four. So maybe there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's what um, I'm saying. I'm, I fudge the time like, a yeah, little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's not terrible. Yeah. It's not like something that happened in like season eight. I couldn't say it's in season four. I mean, there's no magic school isn't, isn't a thing yet. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then I, I think you might've touched on this. We were wondering too, was it always planned as a five issue run or was there a plan to continue it or was it just canceled prematurely or was that um, just it the way it's always been said to me is that like everybody always does things in like four or five issue chunks so it was okay we're gonna do five issues okay great we did five issues we did a self-contained story i always allow room for um I always allow room for there to be some sort of expansion on it, just in general, uh, you know, wishful thinking. Um, it ended up not happening. That is what it is. But um, I would have loved to have done another, another couple of epi um, another couple of miniseries on it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, I don't know if they still have. I don't know if Dynamite still has the license right now. Yeah, I have no um, idea. Yeah. So. I mean, if Dynamite called me up to do it, sure. But I don't know if, I don't even know if they have the license anymore. Right. So. Um, if you continue to write, did you have any, any ideas of what the next arc might be? I wanted to, I mean, in a perfect world, I would have had three arcs to work with and I would have one focus on each sister. So I, I started with Paige, then I would have one focus on Phoebe and then I would have one mm -hmm. focus on Piper. Um, so in, in a perfect world, I would I would have that ability. And at that time, um, Phoebe had, uh, uh, Cole was around, but he was still sort of, I don't know, like I always called it like he was on sabbatical. He was finding himself as Balthazar, but you know, not really, do I want to be a demon? Do I want to be a good guy? You know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, very like Eddie Brock. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, I would have done something with with Phoebe and with Cole and how that relationship affects her and whether or not she wants to 
sort of, because, you know, Piper was always like, you know, he's a bad boy. You're, you should be done with bad boys. You're too old for this, you know, kind of thing. Um, and, you know, and Phoebe was also trying to like get her life together in terms of like get her career together because that was like, Phoebe had arrested development this whole time. You know, she was like the immature kid and this and the next thing. And she didn't have a career. You know, when when we first meet the sisters and, you know, that pilot episode, it's, you know, you've got Piper, she's working at a restaurant, but she at least is doing something. You know, Phoebe's, you know, had just gotten back from New York and she's all over the place. And so now she finally, she's at the newspaper and she's finally starting to like find a career and find a flow and see where she's gonna, you know, where her place is in this world. So I think it would be really cool to try and explore that as well. Um, yeah. And then with Piper, if we had done a third, uh, uh, a third um, arc, it would be, you know, Piper dealing with, you know, being basically the superhero and being a mom and balancing that. Um, and also dealing with her own uh, very complicated um, relationship with their mother before their mother passed yeah. and everything. So dealing with, okay, you know, what kind of mom was she versus what kind of mom do I want to be and things like that. Um, so that was kind of where I wanted to, to look in, in, in that arc. But I mean, each arc was going to focus on one particular sister. So nice. Nice. <laughs> so we were talking and I don't want this to come off as shady, but we couldn't figure it out. So I have to ask, why was okay. it called A Thousand Deaths? Honestly, I did not choose that that title. Okay. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I didn't choose that title. Um, I am terrible at titles. I'm the first person to admit that. So I had put like a whole list of possible titles and I was using like different art phrases like provenance and things like that. Um, because I also thought that it was like a cool, very like a deep, deep cut, but a deep cut for Prue because remember Prue was working um, at, uh, at the art dealership and everything. Mm -hmm. So I thought that it was like a cool <clears throat> thing to do the art as like a right deep in. cut for Prue. Um, so I was like looking at things like, you know, like provenance or, or, um, patents of, you know, like not a patents of nobility, but something like that, you know, um, and just thinking of different ways to bring in the fine arts, the high art of this. And because it was a high concept kind of uh, idea. And then they were just like, we're going to call it a thousand deaths. I'm like, all right. <laughs> <That's so laughs> okay. I, like, I don't know. I have, I apparently have not come up with anything better. So just call it what you want. Also, I mean, I will say this. So, um, is it Paramount? Who has the licensing right now? Yeah, I think it's Viacom. Yeah. So whoever had the license, they have their own people looking at all the scripts. So, um, I remember there was one thing that really irked me. Oh, so like it's in the first couple of pages when Paige, when uh, the, I know you, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about, where the demon throws an energy ball and Paige says, screams energy ball because that's how her powers works. And it just says energy in that. Uh -huh, I, I argued. <laughs> I argued to the point where I thought I was going to fired from this and this is like the first issue of five so this is this is a hill i'm picking my hill to die on really early and i argued i was like no that's not how it is and they're like well the producer from biocom or whatever says that it is and i'm like well they're wrong i'm like i don't think you realize how much i have watched this show i don't think you realize i have the entire like eight seasons on dvd like i was like i don't think you realize how much i know this and they're like, no, no, well, that's what they want. I was like, I'm telling you. So every time they would have, so we would get a lettering pass back from the letterer and I would put that as a note, no, change it to this. And the letterer would change it and then it would go to them and then they would uh, change it. And then I would see back. it and I'm like, and so I said to the letterer, I was like, why didn't you change it? Because I did change it and they, they changed it back. What do you want me to do? I'm like, oh no. <laughs> but that was a hill I was going to die. And that's what, page three? Wow. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's pretty early, 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, I so a thousand deaths. I don't know who came up with that. Um, it could have been uh, um, Paramount, Viacom, whomever. Um, and and that that was that was definitely a sticking point when it came to how uh, Paige's powers worked. And um, her saying the whole thing. I was like, why would she just say energy? That makes no sense. <laughs> oh, God. You can't I, fire me now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, well, how about, I, I do know that energy balls are a subset of all energy magic. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's energy bolts. There's energy um, shapes you can do. So maybe they're just mm-hmm. making it work. <laughs> In my, in my brain, just say it's, it's all part of energy magic, even though they're not specific like it should. They should be. <laughs> I I appreciate you trying. I appreciate yes. that attempt. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I'm still gonna be angry about it. Okay. <laughs> I'm still holding this grudge. Um. So I have a question too, because in issue one, two Piper had that like huge boost of power. She walked, power walked, and exploded all the demons. <laughs> um. And both Phoebe and Leo noticed it was kind of unusual and extreme for her. Um, can but you that's explain? A hint, that's a hint to her being yeah. pregnant and not pregnant. pregnant okay. Yet. Okay. Because you remember cool. when she realized that she was pregnant, that's when all of her powers, her powers were all screwy uh-huh. and everything. Yeah. Fun. I love that. Ooh, so yeah. So that is, that is the nod to, to okay. her not knowing that she's pregnant just yet. Nice. Nice. No fireworks coming out yet. Okay. <laughs> See, I know this show, and that's why mm-hmm. it, it got me so. Yeah. <laughs> I'll stop a little. Um, <laughs> um, one of Sean and I's favorite moments is uh, <laughs> Elise with her fist in the air going, Damn it, Phoebe! <laughs> was that intended to be as funny as it was? Or it's just it, that it, ended up that it, way? <laughs> it was. Like, I wanted it to be. I think the way I wrote it was something like, you know, part of her really is frustrated and angry, but another part of her is understanding and realizing the absurdity of the moment. You know, so when so Maria was just basically looking at it and kind of like combining it into this like, I am pissed, but I'm still gonna make fun of myself because I'm trying not to take myself too seriously, you know, kind of thing. But I thought it was like I thought it was great because this idea of like her, you know, and also I mean she herself is a little erratic and emotional and everything because again she's pregnant and doesn't know it yet, so she's a little sort of off kilter in terms of like mm-hmm. how she's reacting to things and especially how her powers are reacting to things. So, mm. yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. In issue three, okay, Phoebe is stabbed by Robin, <laughs> and but I, <laughs> I but I also love like Leo's reaction because we see like how Leo's inability to save Prue really weighed on him. Um, and he never really got to voice that in the series. So even though it was like a brief moment, I really liked that we got to see how, you know, he felt maybe like a fail. He failed as a white lighter. Um, was that something that was significant for you in writing that? It was. Um, I, I was told that I couldn't use Prue at all, but considering this was season four, I wanted to make sure that it was still fresh in their minds. And it wasn't just, okay, our sister died, whatever, you know, we met our new sister and here's our replacement. Um, I didn't want that at all. I wanted there to be an acknowledgement. Um, and I said, I'm mentioning Prue. I am not showing her. She will be, we're not even doing a flashback. We're just, it's purely conversational. And they said, okay, fine. But I felt that Leo caring as much as he did for the girls, I felt that what happened with Prue and his inability to save her, that that would have affected him. Mm. And I felt that the show didn't address it or they didn't address it as importantly as I think it would have been. Um, And that's why I wanted that line. And I, and I Mm. needed Leo to, to say that. And I needed one of the other sisters to acknowledge it, you know? So when Phoebe says like, you know, we all lost her, you know, it's not just you, but for Leo, there is this extra thing because not only is, is she basically family, but it's his job, not only to oversee 
the girls and make sure that they're okay, but to protect them, to heal them, to be their backstop, to be their safety net. And the fact that he did all he could and it still wasn't enough. And I think that that's an attitude that he brought to uh, to the story, especially when he ascended. And um, yeah. I, and obviously he wiped Piper's mind for her own good or what he perceived was her own good. But once he ascended, that idea of like, I have this enormous responsibility and I cannot fail, I think is something that I wanted to just show in a smaller area, in like a smaller moment. And the fact that Phoebe acknowledges that and and, you know, basically tells him you know, I, I hear you, I see you, I know what you're feeling. And I, I believe that you did what you could. And we still love you. And we still believe in you. You know? Yeah. And so I, I wanted that moment. I was very grateful. I was very yeah. grateful. So thank you. <sighs> the show meant a lot to me. And I hope it's yes. apparent. I hope it's apparent. Yeah. Good. Good. Well, I think it was because one of the things that we really picked up on throughout your run is the sisters voices they really sounded like we were watching an episode they mm -hmm. had the humor from an episode so what was your your kind of process in bringing that to the comic um i rewatched season four i, I well i rewatched seasons one through four and then i watched solely season four uh like twice front to back um and like i said i have you know i have the whole series on dvd and, you know, and at the time it was streaming too. So I could like literally just pop in the DVD or just pop it on streaming and go to a particular episode. Um, and I wanted to, and this is something for any established character that I work on, I want to read how they, you know, read books about those characters, read prior books, um, see what their cadence of speech is because that's important to me how you speak and how you present yourself is is indicative of who you are and for, especially if you're talking about these characters who people know so well i don't want anybody to pick this book up and be like phoebe would never say that like that's not how page talks mm -hmm. that's not how how piper speaks uh, and here's here's an example i'm working on a character i can't mention which one but in uh in reading up on this character, it says that they're originally from Boston, Massachusetts. And I'm like, all right. And then I was reading a recent run of them and they're written with an English accent. And I'm like, I'm kind of, I'm confused. So I sent to the editor, mm -hmm. like, this person is from Boston. What's, you know, which, which direction do you want me to go? And obviously, you know, this week that we're recording this, it's Thanksgiving is this week, so I'm not going to hear anything back till next week. But that was something that I really, I really need to know. Like, I need to know, am I writing some, am I writing a Cockney or am I writing, a, hmm. you know, Boston socialite? You know, there's a very big difference between the two. Um, so I wanted to make sure, so I just basically just kept watching them. And there was a, a novel that had come out. So I read the novel as well um, a prose novel uh on charmed and i read that and i read all of pat chan's work uh at dynamite uh, dynamite excuse me at Zenisco. and um and i just really wanted to just re-immerse myself in the language in the the voices and so i mean it's like a music it's like melody and you want to just immerse yourself in that to be able to say okay this person's going to sing this note and that person's going to sing that note and 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 so on um so i'm glad it worked <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad my, yeah. my deep dive research worked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so we got to see some of Jaws backstory. Um, but we're also quite curious about Maisie. Did you have any ideas about her backstory that never made it into the comics? I didn't really I didn't like think too much about it. But I just wanted to, you know, I wanted to to give enough because what I tend to do or what I tended to do early in my career is I would go such a deep dive in every single person mm. that, that I like days would be peeling off the calendar and then it'd be like, oh, now I actually have to take all of this information <laughs> and, you know, synthesize it into a script. The problem is, is that I, you know, you have, if you have too many characters, you either have to give them all room to breathe or they're just throwaways. So I was like, eh, so, uh, all right, sorry. 
<laughs> not enough time. Can't let this for you. one go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Just because um, they, they I, there wasn't enough time. I mean, I was right. only given you know twenty two pages yeah. and five yeah. issues. Yeah. Um, so if I was given a sixth issue, great, but that's not the way they were doing. I mean, at the time, Dynamite was basically you know five issue runs because you could you know print out one hundred and twenty pages in a book and a particular price point and mm. marketing, blah 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 kind of thing so. <laughs> yeah um i do have a question too about i mean i know it's supposed to be a little open open-ended i think that's on purpose um but why was gabe's soul different from the others what kind of hold did y'all have on him and is this connected to him being a demon at the end is there any kind of <laughs> um i think that well, the reason of, of putting him as the demon was because, like I said, like I was kind of hoping that we would have a second chance right. at it. But I think it came down to I, I wanted him to be different because I wanted to accentuate the fact that Paige still felt like an other to a certain extent. So, of course, the guy that she's going after is going to be a little bit different a little odd a little off the beaten path and then you know you also get like the art school kind of trope of you sure. know people from art school are all weird and all over the place <laughs> kind of thing so yeah all right well this is i want to see if I'm, I'm looking to see if i have any of the single issues behind me I have the trade. Do I have any of the single issues here? I don't know. I don't think so. I just ugh, I have to organize that shelf. <laughs> I have a sh I have uh, my shelf is just I have to organize it. I know I do. It's one of those things. It's just it'll you know. go on the list of things to do and it'll get moved from day to day and week to week and it'll never get done. Sure. <laughs> um <laughs> I know you said you couldn't use Prue. Was there any other characters that you weren't allowed to use? Prue was the only one that was like boom. Uh I don't believe I don't remember if we could use Cole or not. Um, because it basically came down to a licensing of the person's likeness. So I don't know I don't know if we had the licensing for Julian McMahon. Um, the reason why in the Xenoscope run, Prue became Patience was because they wanted the character to be there, but they couldn't use the likeness of, mm. uh, Shannon Darty. So I don't know if it might've been that I was allowed, again, I was allowed to mention them, but I wasn't allowed to show them. I, cause I don't know if we had Julian McMahon's permission. Um, but because I mean, Cole wasn't such a huge part of the story. It was just literally a throwaway line. Um, I think I, I, it's not something that I really dwelled on because uh, he wasn't going to be this big part of the story. If we had done that second arc um, that I had talked about, then I would have had that conversation and said, you know, what's the deal with this? Um, can we do this? Um, you know, this is the story that I'm going for. Um, usually when I'm when I'm working on a project, I will outline like the whole story, like the whole five issues and say, you know, this is the, the main idea. These are the main, you know, broad strokes of it. And then I'll take that and I'll say, this is what's going to happen. Issue one, two, three, four, five, whatever. Um, so they would have seen both editorial and, um, and the producers, the, the, the licensors would have seen what I was planning and they would have either yay or nayed it early, uh, early enough. So Gotcha. I was curious, mostly because there's the one issue where they say Daryl's name, but he's not seen. So I was like, oh, maybe they weren't allowed to use him. I don't know. Yeah, there were a lot of people that they weren't allowed to use. It was basically came down to like the 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 four, the, you know, the three sisters and and Leo. Um, and, you know, that's when we create and and that's basically why I was like, all right, let's create some new characters, because this way uh they can't say we can't use these characters because we're not worried about you know showing somebody's likeness yeah nice well now we know <laughs> behind the scenes yes did you have any uh, plans going in for like what would have happened to gabe or shana since they don't show up in the show at all i would have loved to have brought shana back because i thought she was fun and just very perky and quirky um, 
And even if it was just like, you know, she's having coffee with Paige and then Paige, you know, gets like the Avengers assemble call, you know, kind of thing. And Shane is like, I got this. Don't worry. Like you, you get coffee next time. I got this kind of thing. Um, just, just to sort of round out the cast a little bit because we were limited in, in who we could use. Um, and Gabe, I mean, I would have loved to have opened that, you know, the pay, the Piper, excuse me, the Phoebe arc, I would have loved to have opened it with them vanquishing Gabe and then, you know, bringing in, you know, we see Paige sort of heartbroken and then that allows Phoebe to sort of, you know, recognize her own feelings about her relationship mm. with Cole and all of that. And then that sort of kicks that off. So. Gotcha. Mm, cool. Cool. Well, I think that was really great. Um, is there anything else we should look forward to? I mean, I know you got some projects you can't talk about, um, but is there anything that we should look forward to from you coming in the future? Um, so November 29th, uh, Marvel Zombies number two is in stores. I have a, uh, a 10 page story with a bucket list character that I can't mention yet, uh, that I hope people will like it. Nelson Daniel is the artist and stunning work. Uh, and then Daredevil Gang War starts in December. And then in spring, you will have uh, coming out Rat City, which is the uh, first issue of uh, my new Spawn book, uh, which I'm really excited about. <laughs> Great. So where can people follow you and find you then? I am on uh, Twitter X, whatever it calls itself these days. Uh, Erica Schultz 42. Uh, I am on all socials at Erica Schultz 42. I am on Instagram at Erica Schultz writes W R I T E S. And my website is Erica Schultz writes.com where you can pick up on my uh, online store. You could pick up all kinds of books like charmed uh, and, uh, and deadliest bouquet, like we talked about before and, uh, and any Marvel stuff that I've done in the past. It's, all up there somewhere because it all sits in boxes in my basement. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. This was really great. It helped me appreciate, I think, the dynamic comics even more. Um, so just having those little tidbits, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much uh, for supporting it. I'm glad that I, I am glad that, that people really uh, liked the comics, but also saw the amount of uh, time and effort that Maria Laura and I put in to, to make it feel as authentic to the show as as, as we could. Nice. Yay. Yeah. Um, cool. So that's it, everybody. Uh, Sean, tell people where they can find you. You can find me, as always, on Instagram under Sean.Perrette. That will lead you to my Threadless shirts or my book, which is Brew A Dream of Waking. Still trying to get that second book out, but Erica called me out without knowing it. I am obsessed <laughs> with shows and other things, and I'm letting that get in the way of the book. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I know. <laughs> like things. I know, you know, I'm writing a charmed musical right now for the podcast. We're doing a radio yeah. musical. Amazing. Um, very exciting. Uh, it's going to take place kind of in the Xenoscope run area, like right between like early season 10 um, with flashbacks to the series, kind of like a cat house episode. Uh, I'm very excited. It's, it's happening. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. But you can follow this podcast at words of the witches, all places, uh, except for X or Twitter, where it's words of witches. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah you, we will see you next week when we start the manga uh so lots going or actually no later this week it's this week because when this comes out <laughs> uh and uh yeah we'll see you soon spellwriters thanks for listening <laughs> all right bye your bye. destinies will awaken <laughs> <laughs>